Hi, my name is Yilong Ye. I'm the communications director for the Pluralism Project. You're listening to the State of Play podcast. Every week, we'll talk about how politics is changing in the era of Trump and how everyday Americans and progressive candidates hailing from diverse narratives are making a difference. Before we get into this week's show, though, I have a request. Please follow us on Twitter today. Our Twitter handle is at PluralismUSA. That's at PluralismUSA. Thanks, and enjoy the show. First, we begin today with marking the loss of Arizona Senator John McCain after a battle with brain cancer. He was 81 years old. Senator McCain lived a storied life. The son of a Navy admiral, he followed his father's footsteps, serving our country as a Navy air pilot during the height of the Vietnam War. During the war, he was shot down and captured by Vietnamese guerrillas who tortured him, leading to his later vociferous opposition to waterboarding and other tortures being used on even the most hardened terrorists and mass murderers in American custody. He served an impressive six terms in the U.S. Senate, representing the increasingly diverse and growingly liberal state of Arizona, despite being a Republican. He was the GOP nominee for president in the historic 2008 election, where a coalition of millennials, minorities, and progressive Americans of all backgrounds chose to elect Barack Hussein Obama to the White House. Senator McCain was known as the Maverick Republican for bucking the GOP Senate leadership more than a few times. However, after Barack Obama was elected and inaugurated, McCain would often be the face of his most vocal opposition, especially on matters of foreign policy. Still, the two came to have a grudging, if distant, respect for one another. Senator McCain is also remembered for defending Latinos and Muslims against the Islamophobia and anti-immigrant hysteria that the eventual leader of his party, Donald J. Trump, would normalize in American culture and society as the defining value of modern-day republicanism. Sadly, like almost all of his battles for good to reform the GOP, he too would lose this one. Today, the Republican Party stands for one thing, the ultimate dismantling of the American dream. With the death of John McCain ends an era of civility in American politics. The renegade Republican was a fierce ally of freedom of speech and religion, even as the GOP descended into its sad state of affairs today as a party of hate, fear, and evil child snatching. God rest, Senator John McCain. This is the State of Play podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Hamza Khan with the State of Play podcast from the Pluralism Project. This is our first full episode, and it's going to be a little bit shorter than what we usually will be doing, only because we're still getting used to the format of a podcast. This week, we'll be talking about a couple of things. For one, the collapse of the GOP and how that means Democrats are likely going to take back the House. And two, what on earth is going on in the Trump White House? How many of his aides are currently in jail or on trial? It's impressive. I'm not going to lie to you. With that, sit back and enjoy the show. 
Over the past several months, we've noticed that the GOP has been plagued by infighting between the establishment fighting against Donald J. Trump and his racist agenda, and the Trumpian wing, whose focus has been a mix of racial nativism and jingoism, and an increasingly erratic and confused foreign policy. It's sort of as if the adults have left the room and the kids are running around lighting everything on fire. Except in this case, they're lighting the Constitution, the White House, the Congress, and the Supreme Court on fire. Which is bad. Very bad. Luckily, the American people seem to have taken note. And since America remains a democracy, that means that this upcoming midterm election season is going to be very interesting from the point of view of what happens next for America. Their right-wing news outlet Daily Caller reports on the Cook Political Report that the GOP could lose up to 56 House seats if the election were held in July. And things haven't exactly gotten better for the Republicans during the August recess. Donald J. Trump having so many of his aides under indictment or investigation currently by Robert J. Mueller, the independent investigator assigned by Congress to look into the Russia election hack, has been making headline news and rather than Americans tuning out, they're paying attention. It's almost as if patriotism is more than just a word that Republicans can throw around whenever they want to accuse someone who isn't white of not doing what they want. Sharp jabs aside though, Republicans truly are in trouble this election season, and it looks more and more likely the Democrats are going to have a blowout year. What that means for the future of America is unclear. In some places, Democratic Socialists are winning, Progressives are winning, in other areas, more centrist Democrats are winning. It appears that Americans are voting for change, institutional change, establishment change even. It does not mean, however, yet that our country is moving towards a more progressive agenda overall. What they do want to see is a government that works. Of course, as a progressive myself, I would love us to be moving towards a more progressive, democratic socialist future. That being said, the three women making headline news this week about the upcoming blue wave are three minority women, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, and Ilhan Omar, two of whom are Muslim Americans. And they're not the only women making headlines, actually. Across the country, more and more women are winning their elections. In fact, we've had more women run for office this year and win their primaries overall in proportion to the number of men winning. That's impressive. That speaks volumes about the future of the Democratic Party and which direction we're going in. What's also impressive is the fact that Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are both millennials, that generation that so many Republicans have disdained for. Mm, I think it's because we eat samosas with apple pie. Mm, this is really good, man. Thank you. Several states have grown by over 10% in overall populations between 2010 and 2016, Colorado, Florida, Texas, and Utah, and that is reshaping those states and their politics. We are noticing a more leftist trend, even in Utah. The county surrounding Salt Lake City has become more liberal and more progressive and blue over the last couple of years. And while Mitt Romney is likely going to become the next senator from Utah, that doesn't mean that the state will continually be a bastion of Republican support. One factor driving more and more Americans towards the left is a growing number of voters who are turned off by Donald Trump's racist immigration policies. American voters disapprove 58 to 39 percent on how Donald Trump is handling immigration issues. That's a huge swing. It's important to keep in mind that Donald J. Trump won his presidential election with a minority of overall voters. He had a 3 million vote deficit in comparison to Hillary Clinton. He did win, however, because of key swing states that had low voter enthusiasm for Democrats. But congressional elections aren't determined by swing states. They're determined by the amount of people who turn out overall in 435 districts across America for Congress. 
Oh, and one third of the Senate's up for election too, though it doesn't look like the Democrats can take that back just yet. What that means is that the fact that Hillary Clinton got a majority of votes last time, three million votes to be precise, is going to play out, especially in districts that Donald Trump lost across America. And on top of the fact that he is the most unpopular president in living history to be elected to the White House, Trump has managed the impossible in making himself even more unpopular by the day. What is really curious about this election cycle is just how many women decided to run for office at the federal level and have won their primary so far. 220 women this year ran for congressional office across America. Over 100 Muslims have run for office, the most anyone has seen in the past two generations. African immigrants, African Americans, and Latinos are also dominating their elections. We've also seen an uptick in the number of Asian Americans running for office across the country as well. By and large, the lion's share of candidates hailing from diverse narratives to run for office this year have belonged to the Democratic Party. That means the new Congress that will sit in January of 2019 will be the most diverse in American history since the founding of the Republic, if current trends hold for Democrats. And barring an unholy dark miracle for Republicans, they are likely to hold. And that is good news for the future of our country, diversity, and for American pluralism. Now let's have a quick conversation about what's going on inside the White House. A lot of Democrats and liberals are excited right now at the fact that so many of Donald Trump's aides have been investigated, indicted, and convicted of various crimes, some of which are related back to the election scandal in 2016, and some of which have absolutely nothing to do with the election so far. But a word of caution. The world is watching us. Every time America's democracy is under threat, every time we have a scandal such as this one, every time we don't live up to the values that our Constitution holds dear, the rest of the world asks the question, why is America in charge again? That's a serious problem for us. 
The American dollar is the world's reserve currency. Technically, our economy is the largest in the world. American culture is sought out across the world, and our military might is legendary. But mightier civilizations, larger civilizations, and more historied civilizations than our own have collapsed under the weight of their own hubris. And Donald J. Trump and his associates in the White House are giving an excuse to all powers across the world that engage in authoritarianism, that have human rights violations up the wazoo, and are committed to a different way of life, a way of life in which the 1% matters, not the everyday people. Mr. Trump is giving those styles of governance credence. Indeed, he is going farther. He is giving credence to the idea that corruption is not a mortal sin, and that laws are made to be broken by those with influence, power, and wealth. Such ideas run counter to the values of our Constitution, and indeed the American dream. So we must ask ourselves, what are we going to do about it? Yes, impeachment is an option, albeit not a likely one at this point. Yes, the obliteration of the Republican Party would probably be a good thing for all Americans, but that isn't exactly true either. One party rule is what plenty of leftist societies have done. They call it communism and socialism. Indeed, all societies need multiple parties competing with one another in the marketplace of ideas in order to keep democracy limber, effective, and committed to the interests of the public. Therefore, even if the Republican Party is destroyed, we still need a real conservative party that can challenge us Democrats and progressives when we might be going too far without fully considering the unintended outcomes that could result from actions and policies. No political movement, no political party, indeed no group of people is ever right 100% of the time. And tyranny of the majority, be it in the hands of the left or the right, is still a cardinal sin against democracy. So I ask my fellow Americans who are listening to this podcast to think very carefully about what they themselves are going to do to help restore the honor and prestige of our nation in light of current events. Because even if progressives take back the White House and Congress and somehow can save the Supreme Court from a fate of being controlled by hard-right conservatives, the work to govern America and restore America's rightful place in the world will remain. And what that rightful place is, by the way, is also in question. Who are we as a people? Who are we as a country? And what is it that we seek to achieve together for all of humanity and for those of us who are blessed to be Americans? That's the end of my soliloquy tonight. My name is Hamza Khan, and you're listening to the State of Play podcast. In our final segment tonight, I'd like to give a quick shout out to candidate Tahira Amanatul Wadud, who's running for Congress in Massachusetts' first district. An attorney, a mother of seven, and a progressive Democrat running against an incumbent, Tahira represents the best America has to offer. She's overcome racial prejudice, economic hardship, and the unfortunate challenges that motherhood and being a woman in American society today brings upon a candidate. To run a campaign focused on hope and restoring the American dream for all working and middle class families. The Pluralism Project is proud to endorse her and wishes her luck in her upcoming primary. Go get him, Tahira. With that, we're going to call it a wrap tonight for the first ever State of Play podcast. I want to thank our communications director, Yi Long Ye, for his amazing help in editing and making this podcast one of the most beautiful in America. Being a communications director for us is a part-time gig, so if you're looking for someone who can help make your podcast or help do some amazing comms work, uh, you should look into Yi Long Ye services. Also, 
We'd really love it if you'd go to our website, pluralismproject.org, and make a contribution today so that we can keep the lights on and keep making these amazing podcasts and supporting amazing candidates like Tahira Hamadou-Wadoud, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib. We endorsed all of them, and we hope that we'll see them all in Congress in 2019. My name is Hamza Khan, and this was the State of Play podcast. Paid for by the Pluralism Project. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee.